If you keep my commandments, you will abide in me, in my love, just as I kept, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lays down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you that you should go and, be, and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. 1 John 3, verses 11 through 24. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. But this we know, love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and see his brothers in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. By this we shall know that we are of truth and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. Beloved, if our hearts does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he has commanded us. Whosoever keeps his commandments abides in him and he in them. And by this, we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he gives, has given us. Thank you, Michelle. <clears throat> you know, listening to Michelle read the Scripture, I almost felt that that was it, that the message has already been preached. The scriptures that she read, that were read, are just so very clear. There is no mistaking what the Lord requires from us. Today we are going to be preaching on the topic, No Greater Love. By God's grace, I have had the privilege of preaching God's word on a number of occasions. And let me say up front that every message that is preached ought to be about the gospel, it ought to point to Jesus Christ. That's it. That's fundamental. There is no dispute there whatsoever. With that said, despite its simplicity, and often spoken about. Perhaps only a few times have I felt a message that I've preached having greater 
import to the community, to the church, to the life of our community specifically, and the body of Christ generally. This topic of love. I was talking with someone recently about a tragic event that occurred in our country. And what was apparent to me was, from the whole matter, is that we have become self-centered as a people. We've become so ambitious and so apathetic that it almost seems like we're losing our humanity. We're not teaching our children soft skills, as it were. We're just so busy running up and down, trying to pay bills, trying to make money, trying to impress others. We're not concerned about how we interact with one another, it would seem. We're not emphasizing and teaching workers how to demonstrate care and service. And sadly, in the church, we have set aside what Jesus said is the greatest commandment. We've set it aside and we have decided to pursue other things quite often. Jesus said this is the greatest commandment, the greatest commandment of all, love. Love. And I want to really have a conversation with you today. And this is perhaps going to be a bit of unusual kind of conversation that we will have today. But I want to talk to us about love, soft skill. Let's pray for a moment. Father, we Thank you for this time. We ask, O oh Lord, that you would open your word to us, make it plain, make it clear to us. Lord, enrich our hearts so that we might live by what we hear today. Let us not be hearers only, but let us, do, let us be doers also. Let us bring about adjustment where it is necessary. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Last week, Pastor's message was about the fact that we ought to be, we are members one of another. One of another. That God has placed us in community, and we are members one of another. And his, fundamentally, he was making the point that we need each other. I need you, and you need me. God, this is God's doing. He placed us together. And it doesn't matter what your role is. Your role is, it's important, it's vital and we ought to make sure that we are indeed carrying out our roles in the local church. And I feel that today this message builds on the sermon that he preached last week because it too is, it too is an important part of community. It's vital. If we want to have the kind of community, the biblical community, if we want to live it out, Love has to be the, the thread that binds us together. As we consider the verses that were read earlier, I believe that they may be summarized this way. Believers commanded to love have an undeniable example in Christ and in obedience, receive an amazing promise. Believers commanded to love have an undeniable example in Christ, 
and in obedience receive an amazing promise. I want to consider the passages under three broad headings as follows. Number one, the commandment to love. Number two, the expressions of love. And number three, the result of love. Let's consider number one, the commandment to love. Our Savior's command to love one another is not a suggestion. It's not a good idea, nor is it a strategy. It is a command. Jesus did not say that perhaps you ought to do this. Or I want to suggest to you, or if you do this, then you're going to achieve certain things kind of thing. It's not a strategy. It's not a good idea. It is a commandment. The commandment to love. Indeed, this commandment that Jesus gave to his disciples and by extension to us. It bleeds through the pages of all of Scripture, either directly or implicitly. You pick up any page in the Bible and you see the love of God coming through. You see how it is that we are, at this point, in this passage very specifically, called upon to, to love our brothers and sisters, to love each other in community. On this point of commandment, of our command being commanded to love, I'd like the scriptures to speak for itself very specifically. I can't do a better job than what the scripture has done in this regard, or in fact, in any regard. But the scriptures are just so clear with respect to how we ought to love, that we ought to love one another. Consider 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1. Listen to what Paul writes to the church at Corinth. Paul writes, if I speak with tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong on a clanging cymbal. Paul is saying to us, listen, if you've got it all, if you, can, if you are as eloquent as anyone, but if you don't have love, he says, you're nothing. And then he goes on to say, and if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And verse 3 that follows, he says, if I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but I have not love, I gain nothing. And the thing about it, when you look, when you consider these three verses together, Paul doesn't say that if you have not love, it diminishes the impact of what you're doing. He says you have nothing. Paul says love is an important and necessary ingredient. Love in our community. 1 John chapter 3, verse 11 says, for this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. John 3, John 13, verse 35, by this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Love characterizes us. We are 
distinguished from the world based on the love that we have for one another. That's, that is what the commandment teaches us. This commandment says to us that people on the outside will know us because of the love that we have for one another. It's love. 1 John 4, 8 says, Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. That's as clear as day. Anyone who does not know God, who, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Galatians 5.22 teaches us that the fruit of the Spirit is love. If you've got the Spirit, then we've got love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 8. Love never ends. As for, for, for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Love, greater than faith, greater than knowledge. Because love never ceases, the apostle tells us. And Peter goes on to tell us in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. You've got an issue with the brother? Peter says love covers it. Love deals with it. 1 John 4.20, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. This commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. The Bible teaches us and you cannot say, this is plain. If this is, the Bible says, how do you say that you, that you love God and then you hate your brother who you've seen? So you can't, can't happen. It can't work that way. If anyone says, I love God and, and, hates my, and hates his brother, he is a liar. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. What does it all mean, all of these scriptures that I've read in your hearing? I did so because there's no way to top this. There is no way to, for me to explain to you this commandment to love. It bleeds through the pages of scripture. I could go on and on and on and on and, and read about the commandment, our commandment to love. What does it all mean? How do we interact with those and other scriptures? We see from these scriptures that we have read that love endures, it lives forever. That love is the principal thing, it is the primary thing. Love marks the Christian's life. That love is an act of obedience. That love glorifies God. That love gives evidence to our faith. How can we say we hate our brothers, the Bible says? whom we see, but love God whom we have not seen. But throughout the Bible we see evidence, we see that we are commanded to love, and the Bible tells us in other places that we ought to pursue love. We ought to pursue it. You know, to go after it, earnestly. We ought to grow in love. 
1 Corinthians tells us to pursue it. Love is an expression of Christ in the earth. When we love our brothers and our sisters, we are expressing, we are demonstrating Christ on the earth. Because we were first loved, we love. Because we are loved, we love. Jesus teaches us that the Father loved him. And the Father, and he loved the Father. And he loves us. And he gave his life for us. And he expects us to love. And he loved us before the foundation of the world. He loves us with an everlasting love. The love that we are commanded to have helps us to wear this world loosely when we love one another. The kind of love that, that we are commanded to have in, scriptures, in Scripture helps us to, to realize that I can be there for my brother and sister because the things that I have are not the most important things in life, but rather following this commandment, loving my brother and my sister. Because how many of you know that if, if your love for your brother and sister is not the primary thing, and that they come by and they want to inconvenience you out of something that you have, and that thing is more precious to you than love, you're not going to give it up. But that's not what we're called to do. We're called to love as Jesus loved. Love is the blood and the outshoot of community. Love emulates God. You know, when you really think about it, what is life? What is community without love? What is it about? What is community without love. What are we doing if we don't love one another? But how do we express this love? What is this all about? What are we talking about? That takes me to my second point, the expressions of love. Can I say right up front here that the love that we are talking about is not characterized by the avoidance of conflict. Of course we don't want to, we don't want that. We don't want conflict. We don't want conflict. But the love that we are talking about here should reflect intentional engagement and care and interaction. Some people think, some people believe that by staying away from someone and not getting into anything, that all right, I can be ambivalent about it, and that's okay. Well, that's not what community is. When we are in community, we share of ourselves. We engage with one another intentionally. We interact with one another. And it is through that interaction that we demonstrate love. We can't live out the kind of love that Jesus commands us to have if we do it apart. It got to be done together. And you know right now, I am mashing my own toe as I'm preaching because I know that there's so much that I can do. But I know that this is what we're called to do. We are called to live in community. We're called to be there for one another. We're called to be hospitable to, towards one another. We can't live this commandment out apart from one another. We've got to be there with and for one another. 
the fountain from which Jesus' commandment that we love one another springs. It springs from the well of his love for us. That's where this love comes from. It was God's love for us while we were sinners that caused him to send his son to earth to die for us. Jesus, in full love, gave his life for us. This was a love so amazing that Paul writes of it that it passes knowledge. It cannot be fully comprehended. There was and is no greater love. Paul says of this love that Jesus demonstrated. Paul says that this love goes beyond knowledge. It goes beyond understanding. I'm trying to tell us now how we ought to express love. Because Jesus tells us, he commands us to love. And about this love, Paul says, it is incomprehensible. This is the kind of love that we ought to have for one another. Jesus calls believers to emulate that love for one another. Of course, Jesus did not mean that death is the way, the only way one can demonstrate love, or even that we should literally die for one another. But he wanted to make clear that we ought to live sacrificially. He meant that believers should subordinate their interests for others, be willing to be inconvenienced, be prepared to sacrifice. There should be that expectation. We should, you should have that expectation of me. You should expect that I am prepared to be inconvenienced on your behalf. You should expect that I am prepared to sacrifice on your behalf. We shouldn't play this thing. We should live it out. We are called to, to love. Our love must be expressed in our, both in our attitude and in our actions. It's not either or. It's both. Love must be expressed both in our attitude and in our actions. First Corinthians chapter 13 and Verse 4 tells us a lot about the kind of attitude that we should have when it comes to love. Paul writes that love is patient and love is kind and love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant. It is not rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love. That is the attitude of love. Patient and kind. It's not arrogant not rude, it's not envious, not irritable, not resentful, doesn't rejoice when something bad happens. And then how do we express love? How do we express love? In word, certainly. Certainly in word. I love you, that's great. We ought to say it often. But also and more importantly, indeed, listen to what John writes in 1 John chapter 3, verse 18. 
little children. Let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. You know, I need not say to us that it's easy for us to say, I love you in word. But at the end of the day, somebody needs your help. Somebody needs you to demonstrate love to them. That is so much more meaningful when you can demonstrate it in any number of ways. But how else might we express love? And show hospitality to one another. First Peter chapter four, verse nine. The apostle writes, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. We ought to show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Let me tell you, I'm reading these passages because I want to hit home the point that these are not my words, but these are God's words. And what we are being told here is that we ought to open our doors to one another, that we ought to serve one another, that we ought to invite our brothers and sisters into our houses and cook meals and, and, and share coffee and cookies. We ought to go out together. After all, we are a community. We are brothers and sisters. We ought to express love. And let me tell you something. We ought to be so close to one another that our brother doesn't have to tell us all the time what's going on in his life, that he needs X, Y, Z. We ought to be able to perceive that, to know that very often. You know what? I haven't seen John for such a long time. I wonder what's happening there. Perhaps so-and-so. We ought to, that's what we are called to do. That is how we express love in community. That's what we are called to be. We are called to be inconvenienced. We are called to love. We are called to walk this journey, this, this pilgrimage. We are called to do it together. And we must be prepared to open our lives to that as brothers and sisters. Now, I know that there are some people, perhaps none present, who are saying, well, such and such a person is so unlovable, how do I express love to them? How do I show love to them? Well, let me ask you a question, since you think you are so lovable. Did you not know that while you were Yet a sinner, Christ died for you. And can I tell you, you, in fact, aren't all that anyway. Anyway. That's the truth. We all have our problems, our idiosyncrasies, our challenges. I know I do. I know I do. I've got some real strange stuff happening in my life. And so, can I ask you to forgive me? Just forgive me. You can still love me, you know. Just love me the way I am, please. I promise to do better, but you can still love me the way I am. And I'm going I'm to try to love you. We love you where you are. Love me the way I am. Love me where I am. And I'm going to get better. Just keep pointing it out to me. And, and Demetri, I'll change and I'll keep, I'll keep getting better and better, you know. But that's, that's the way it is. Don't expect that everybody is going to be exactly the way you expect you want them to be. 
I know sometimes you say, boy, listen, my spirit just don't take this one. How many people say that? Don't raise your hand. You know, my spirit, my spirit just don't take to such and such. Well, what kind of thing is that that your spirit don't take to? That's not what the Bible teaches us. The Bible says we ought to love one another. We ought to love one another. And it does not matter. It does not matter. We ought to love one another. We ought to be there for one another. After all, Christ died for you. He died for the ungodly. He died for the unlovable. Died for the unlovable. So let's love that person. I, wanna, I just want to stick here just a little while longer. I want to tell us to really love everybody. To love those people. Go out of your way to, to love those who you find that it's not easy to love. And that's the truth. Sometimes the reality is we know that some people perhaps are easier for you to love than others, for you to express your love to them, because you ought to love all of everybody. But it's easier for you to express love to them than others. But I want to offer to all of us that we go out of our way to, to express love to those who we have a challenge expressing our love to. Can we do that? No? You didn't answer me, so I'm assuming you don't agree with me. But can we do that? Very good, very good. Now Jesus goes on, Jesus goes on in the passage that was read. If you take a look at it, Jesus says, this is my commandment. In verse 12, John 15, verse 12, Jesus says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. You see that? You're my friends if you do what I command you. And then Jesus says, no longer do I call you servants. But let's go back up to verse 14. He says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. I want to talk a little bit now about what Jesus speaks about a little bit in these few verses here after he gives the commandment for us to love. That leads me to my third and final point, the result of following this commandment, the result of love. Jesus said, if you keep this commandment, if you love, if you and I love one another as he commands us, he says, I didn't say this, this is what he says. He says that if you do this, if you keep this commandment, you are my friend. That's what he says. Let's read it again. He says, greater love has no one than this, that someone should lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. That's what he says. So when we do what he commands us, he says, you are my friend. How many of you know that if Jesus said that, and he did not mean it, or if he was just choking, we can take nothing in Scripture seriously? He must have meant it. But what did Jesus mean? What did Jesus mean when... Jesus said, if you do what I commanded you, you're my friend. What's the import of that? What's he getting at there? I believe, and the scripture teaches us, 
Jesus means exactly what he says. The first is that he lays down his life for his friends. That's the first thing that it means. Follow the commands, the commandment of, of Jesus. Then you are his friend and you are the beneficiary of this life that he lays down. The sacrificial laying down of his life. lays down his life and he pays the price for us in doing so pays the penalty of our sins reconciles us to God you are my friends what a friend we have in Jesus who lays down his life for us. Paul says that this love, this laying down of his life for us goes beyond our comprehension. We cannot fully grasp or understand it. We can understand it in part, but not in full. How it is that one who is all-knowing, all-powerful dies for those who are so ungodly. John writes in 1 John chapter 4, verse 9. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. What a friend we have in Jesus. Jesus goes on to say in these verses that we have read, You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. What a friend we have in Jesus. He no longer calls us servants. He calls us friends. Because he's made known to us the mysteries of the gospel. And then he goes on to say, in this passage, in verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you. What a friend we have in Jesus. Who chose us? Electing his friends for salvation. Pilate does not appear in these verses that we have read. We know that to be a friend of Jesus carries with it all kinds of privileges. I like the way one hymn writer puts it all together. Mindful that Jesus is all-powerful and all-loving and being aware of our frailties as 
Marlo Baines, the hymn writer Joseph Scriven declares, what a friend we have in Jesus. All our needs and all of our griefs to bear, what a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Remember, Jesus says, tie, you got to tie it back now. You got you to follow me as we preach this message today. Jesus says, this is my commandment, that you love one another. He says, no greater love. There's no greater love than this. That a man should lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege we have to carry everything to God in prayer. The Bible teaches us that God daily bears us up. Jesus invites us to bring all of our burdens to him. What a friend we have in Jesus. We have a friend to whom we can go knowing that he is both able and willing to help us. The writer of this song goes on to say, he asks this question, can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Yes, he is faithful. We are his friend. We, he is faithful to us. The Bible tells us that he keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. What a friend we have in Jesus. So this morning, as we close today, you who are a believer, how might you respond to this message? Well, we've shared a couple things already, but how would you respond I want to say perhaps this, Paul's instructions in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 1, maybe that summarizes it adequately for us. Paul writes, as we said, pursue love. Pursue love. And perhaps we should leave here today, each one of us, with this thought on our minds, I'm going to pursue love. I'm going to pursue love this afternoon. I'm going to pursue love tomorrow. And every day we wake up. I'm going to pursue love. Why? Because I'm commanded to love. Run after it earnestly. How do I demonstrate love to the people in my community? How do I, how do I demonstrate love to Joshua? How do I demonstrate love to, to Brother Tim? What do I do? Earnestly pursue it. Be intentional about it. No, it is not always easy, but because you were so called, pursue it. None of us, can I tell you? I want to tell you that none of us is going to love perfectly. None of us is going to love perfectly. We can grow in love. And that's the expectation that we will grow in love. And to do that, we need God's help. He promises to help us. What a friend we have in Jesus. I'd rather have Jesus as a friend than all the world's riches. Give me Jesus. The Bible tells us he is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. He is closer to us than Anyone we can imagine. What a friend we have in Jesus. As the praise team prepares to come. And we prepare to pray.
I'd like you to consider this question. Praise team, would you come? Do you need a friend today? But you don't have one. Perhaps there are those present today. Maybe there's someone present today, or perhaps someone listening to us via live stream. Perhaps that question is for you. You need a friend today, but you don't have one. Jesus stands ready. Love as he commands. But you know what? I got to tell you something. You can't love as he commands unless you have the enabling power of the Holy Spirit to do so. And so our prayer for you is that the Lord would open your eyes and to the truth of the gospel so that you too can love as he commands. Let us pray. Father, Lord, as we consider your commandment to love one another, we acknowledge, O oh Lord, that we have fallen way short. Forgive us. Lord, we have not pursued love. We have not been intentional about it. Lord, we acknowledge that there's been times when, many times when there were, we could have expressed love, but we didn't. Forgive us. Forgive us. Lord, we have gone after other things. We've gone after other gifts. We've tried to display other gifts, but we've not done so with love. Forgive us. Oh, Lord. Help us, O oh Lord, to be loving. Lord, also we pray that you would grant to us the humility to be loved. For Lord, we know that some of us do not wish to or find it difficult, O oh Lord, to open our lives and our hearts to receive love from one another. Forgive us for that, O oh Lord. Lord, cause each one present to be so desirous of pleasing you that we would leave this place with our hearts on fire, asking the question, how can I demonstrate love? How might I pursue love today? Lord, let us be salt and light in this earth. Let us represent you. Let us reflect you as you would wish. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.